Hello, welcome to more of the Richard Herring podcast feed, powered by Acast Plus. Uh, hope you're enjoying all these tour podcasts. There is still a chance to catch some, though they're selling out very fast. Uh, we, in fact, Sheffield on the 7th of March sold out. Uh, but check the theatre website for returns. Uh, Monday, the 11th of March, Adam Buxton and Lemsis A in the Leicester Square Theatre sold out. But you can get tickets for the Warwick Arts Centre, where I'm talking to Lindsay Santoro and the Exploding Heads internet phenomenon, and at Bedford on the 21st, where I'm talking to Olaf Falafel and my old friend Al Murray. I'm at Glasgow uh, on the 27th of March, sold out, Susie McCabe and Fred McCauley, and then at Hull on the 28th of March with Tommy Cannon and Bob Morton. Uh, there are three tickets left as I talk to you so get there quick if you want to come and see that also this richardherring.com slash come and see me on tour doing stand-up for the first time in six years richardherring.com slash ballback coming lots of places around England and some places in Scotland uh, and that's about it for the moment all right sit back relax and enjoy rahalastapa Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. finally done it i recorded all these links at the same time can you tell as we go in through how despondent and upset with life i become uh, we are doing five compilations of the best of rahalastapa throughout uh, 2023 um we've had some fantastic guests don't forget the rahalastapa book club as well which does not feature in this which is uh, i think why simon farnaby isn't uh, isn't there um which uh, also includes some live ones, uh, but also slightly more thoughtful. Do give them a listen. Go back and listen to these episodes if you like the sound of the ones. If you missed any of these, sometimes the names you haven't heard of are better than the names you have heard of. That's all I'm going to say. We are now in the stage of the podcast where I think we're going to be talking to people who I met on tour, which is very exciting. The tour has been going great. Thank you to everyone who's been so far. Do come again in 2024. There's still... A good 14 14 shows to come. I can't remember what it is. Um, And there's tickets left for most of them. Some of them are selling fast. Uh, But yeah, I had such fun so far on tour. And the first person that we talked to on tour was the brilliant Adil Ray. Here he is. And you get on Twitter and, and, and you sort of respond to it. You get a lot of shit from people on Twitter. Yeah. Is that you? So uh, it is mainly to, me. I, I, uh, mainly I me. Have, I have wondered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's mainly about lingo, isn't it? It's, yeah. ma- it's mainly... <laughs> Where's Daniel Daniels? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Um, but you, you, you sort of confront it. And I, I do this. I've, I've done the same. I've, I've sort of 
I've taken to sort of responding to trolls. I don't think the trolls that I get are in the same ballpark as the ones you're getting, I have no. to say. But, so they, uh, do they tell you to F off back to you where you came from? Yeah, they, they, they want me to go back to Somerset. No, uh, no, basically, no, no. <laughs> um, they don't, no. no. So, they, you know, it's not, it's not the, the same thing at all. But, uh, but it is interesting to engage, I think. And you, you do engage. Yeah, I do. And I, I, I sort of, you know, I had it, I, I've had it sort of from Citizen Khan days. As I had lots of people sort of claiming, oh, this is racist. Or, oh, what, you shouldn't have a tele- show on the telly. And, and I did find, actually. And I, sometimes you engage with people. And often I feel that, you know... Racism is such a weird thing, isn't it? It's such a weird... You know, if you look at it and you go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Cut someone's colour of their skin and you're going to go, I just hate them for it? Or because of their religion, I just hate them for it? I hate them all just because you've read one story or a few stories about some bad Muslims, that's it, you're going to talk... It's so odd. So I often feel like if you engage, you know, that, that that can make a big difference. And... One out of ten times that might happen, and depending on what kind of mood I'm in, I think it's sometimes it's worth doing that. You know, yeah. I, 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 it goes back to a story with my dad actually when we lived in Yardley and um, and we moved into the nicer house, you know, um, and and we got a knock on the door and it was the neighbour next door and John sort of knocked on the door and says, "Can I speak to your dad?" It's like, yeah, like, yeah. dad, it's the neighbour, and he's like, dad comes out, he goes, "Yeah, can I help you?" He goes. Yeah, he said, can I come, come, go to your back garden immediately? You know, and he comes to the back garden and he goes, oh, you know the curry smell coming from your fan? It goes straight into the garden there. And when my wife's sunbathing, he just sort of puts her off a bit. Dad's like, oh, my God, I don't believe that. It's like, you know, you're not going to believe it. It's a complete coincidence when you're doing your bacon and sausages and my <laughs> wife, somebody, puts her off too. You know, and I remember that as a little kid going, that's funny, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm laughing, hey, John, you twat, you know. It's like, you know. <laughs> and, and it was great. And they actually both had a bit of a laugh yeah. and they just sort of shrugged it off and they went, oh, all right, then, you know. <laughs> and I thought that was great. And it reminded me that I, I don't think John, John wasn't racist. He wasn't, he wasn't, he, he just, he felt he was doing the right, he just wasn't a bit unfamiliar with this smell. Probably was a new smell. It was slightly yeah. annoying him. You know, I remember sort of months later, they knock on the door and going, are you cooking that curry again? Can we have some? You know, so things change. You know, and when we left that, they were loving. They actually, by the time that we left that house, they were Uncle John and Auntie Gladys. And Auntie Gladys was on the steps crying, not wanting us to leave, you know. Because yeah. yeah. I think she thought it was going to be a house of Romanians moving in next. You know, so... <laughs> But you know, it, yeah. but all of these, all of these things, where people are suspicious of a group of, you're exactly right. Yeah. The, I mean, it's sort of the, the, what gets me is the laziness of it of going. I'm just gonna. Oh, this is easy. I'll just hate all the people who are, or, or, I know. who it's... all look like this or, or think like this or do this. So it's you know, it's it's you got to get to know people. Well, then then, but, if, then yeah, you but, can think they're pricks, right? But, That's you know, right. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you get to know them, like, oh, it, it turns out that my next door name's yeah, a no, And the sad thing is, they've, they've been made angry, haven't they? They've been yeah. made angry. They watch yeah. certain things and they'll read certain things and that herring podcast and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they... Well, you've changed my mind. I, I, <laughs> I came in here with a very strong <laughs> view. And, uh... <laughs> well, you know, but how, many, think, how many Asian friends have you got? Um, I've got a few. Those uh, oh, are, yeah, name yeah. them. Come on. I've got a, oh, come on. Shafiq or Sandy. Oh, yeah. Paul Sinner. Oh. Oh, yeah. Are they really um, your friends or people who've been Satish Patel was my best friend. He's making it up. I'm not now. Satish Patel, was my best friend at. Um, I went to, I went to build, uh, junior school in Loughborough. Right. Um, in Leicestershire. 
uh, and all of my friends were Asians there, and I was very upset, and I loved it. Actually, yeah. this, is another, this is a good example of what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I loved being in class with Asian people because when they had their birthday, they would bring in all these amazing treats. Right. And, you know, and it was their birthday, but they brought in sweets and, you know, cakes and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. And I'd love to meet Satish Patel again, but if you Google Satish Patel, he's... it's quite hard to find the specific one yeah. that was right. at Compton <laughs> in 1976. And he's, prob- he's probably got diabetes now anyway, so, uh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I hope he's still around, Satish. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so, you know, I've, yeah. I've got, I'm, you know... I, yeah. My friend, I'm my friend Andrew Mallet. Asia's a big place. You're, Andrew what? Andrew Mallet, he's Asian. Andrew Mallet, you're making yeah. it up. Andrew uh, Mallet. Andrew Mallet, his dad's English. Andrew Mallet was Asian. I did, it was Andrew Mallet. I did, he's the, I did a show called Hitler Moustache, uh, where, I, where I grew a Hitler Moustache for a year, just to see what it was like. You did a show called Hitler Moustache. Uh, I did, yeah. And you had an Asian <laughs> mate called Andrew Mallet. Yeah, and Andrew Mallet, yeah. and I, there was a routine in it where I could never remember where his mum was from. Right, uh, and then that led to me coming with the idea with the with the I think the, one of the best standard routines I've done about how racists are closer to seeing everyone in the world as the same than liberals because right. they basically see only sort of two types of people. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just one away. Whereas yes. we're I'm 194 away from say because I could never remember if his, his mum was from China or Singapore or Indonesia. You know, it was China. Oh. Uh, I, <laughs> he's told me many times, and finally it stuck. Uh, so yeah, so it was, so yeah, I've got a lot, I've got a lot of Asian friends. He's, Asia's big; it's easy to have Asian friends. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I've got, yeah. I've got any black friends? <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd get there. <laughs> so that's why you just stick to two points, key points. You get there in the end. This is great stuff. This is. Yeah. That was Adil Ray joining him. The next week, it took you know. Obviously, I came back to Birmingham. The next week. Uh, Someone just doing some fantastic work in the world of comedy and in the world of the world as well. Not just in the comedy world, the actual world. Joe, lice it. So, and then you, you've painted uh, Harry Styles, who I know yeah. you've talked, you've talked rather lovingly about. Yeah. I've seen but, the picture. So, Harry Styles is painted by David Hockney, who is one of the greatest living artists. And I love David Hockney's stuff. But lots of people didn't like the painting and it was put up on... Uh, the National Gallery are taking it. And I was watching... I think the National Gallery posted about it in a couple of art blogs. And all the comments were like, it's a piece of shit, <laughs> like, a terrible piece of art. And I loved that David Hockney, who has got such history and is so respected, has been <laughs> trolled, that like, even at that stage, you can still get trolled. And I was telling my friend this, and she said, you should do your own version. You should do like a sort of take on it. And I thought, that's a brilliant idea. And I was drunk... It was quite late at night, and I did. I got some Posca pens, which are like little acrylic pens, and I just did it on a bit of paper, and I just tried to recreate roughly what Hockney had done with these pens, but give Harry Styles the head of an egg. So just like a. <laughs> and then I posted it, and um, said a, like a silly story about how he'd come to sit for me and in my studio in Padstow. I just made up a like ridiculous story. Um, don't even. I don't think I've ever been to Padstow, and. Um, put it on Instagram and didn't think about it again. And then I went to the toilet and I was sat on the toilet and looked at my DMs on Instagram and Harry fucking Styles had sent me a DM. And I, went, I started to get very hot. Yeah. I, was sort of st- I got really panicked. And he sent me a message basically saying, I need to have this. <laughs> what can, could I possibly buy it from you to put it in my house? Something along those lines. And so I immediately said, it's eight quid. 
<laughs> and then he sent he sent back six. <laughs> and I said six fifty or six quid and a Kit Kat chunky peanut butter. <laughs> and he what well, I respect him for this, he said. That actually, the peanut Kit Kat chunky peanut butter is more expensive, but yeah. I'll, it's a deal. Okay. Screenshotted all of that, put it straight on the gram, <laughs> and then afterwards he went quite. And then I sent him my bank details and an address to send the Kit Kat chunky, and I said, "What's what address do you want to send? Want it sending to?" And he went silent on me. Okay. And I thought, "Oh shit! I should have asked him if I can screenshot it and put it on." But I thought he's in. He looks good out of it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. And then I just went into a real spiral of I've pissed off Harry Styles. <laughs> he wanted to be friends, and and, um, and then so a few days later, I then just said, oh, "Can I have an address for this? Because um, it's it's important that you have the artwork." And he then sent an uh, an assistant's address. Right. Haven't yet sent it, but I'm going to send it. This is my plan. I'm going to send it with a stamped address envelope for the Kit Kat Chunky Peanut yeah, Butter. Just make it really easy. <laughs> and I, like, I was in London last week, and I was in a corner shop, and there's one there for 90p. They are on sale. He can yeah, do it. It's doable. I still am desperate for my Monzo account to have that H-style six quid. So <laughs> I, I, I'd hope it would come directly from him, but that's still not happened. But I checked with a lawyer with this on this. If he doesn't pay within the 28 days, I'll send an invoice. If he doesn't pay within 28 days, I'm taking him to the small claims court. Yeah, good. I'm going to do it. (laughs) That was Joe. Uh, That was in Birmingham. We then travelled up almost immediately to Liverpool. Was it the next day? I think it might have been. Always difficult doing... I mean, the next week... Always difficult, though, if it was the next day to do four podcasts in two days. But luckily, I had amazing guests in Liverpool. Uh, this is the lead singer of The Farm, Peter Hooten. Because the, you, you were political, you know, you were very political. The rest of the band, when you started, we yeah. wanted to do love songs and you wanted to do political stuff. And you, obviously that yeah. stayed with you throughout yeah. your whole life. Though. There was a bit of that. And also when, um, you know, when we were doing music interviews, we were wanting to take the enemy and the melody maker and sounds to Robert Tressel's grave, you know, the author of The Ragged Child of Philanthropist, yes, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they just, the journalists just wanted to talk about ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we were in a bit of a dilemma, really, because we were trying to say, look, we're, you know, we're a political band as well, yeah. you know, because that was our, the specials and the clash and the jam. Uh, but, you know, obviously, hedonism was at its height and no yeah. one wanted to listen. You know? <laughs> and you had your moments of that as well, to be fair. I mean, Groovy Train is, you know, it's a political Groovy Train. Uh, but... It is, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, well, I'll tell you the story. Go tell me. It was a girl from uh, Cancel Farm where I was a youth worker and she was into politics. Right. And I met her in the state in about 1990 and uh, said, oh, you're still into all the politics? She said, Peter, get your head together, will you? I'm on the groovy train. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I got it from. That's good. Did you ever, would you, can, how much would it cost for you to let Bisto take it and change it to, uh, we're on the, the gravy train? <laughs> oh... I've always thought, we always thought Virgin <laughs> Rail would adopt it. Yeah, know? I think that'd be good. Uh, but they did on a few radio adverts, but never went for the full one, you know. No. But we did, we, we, we were offered um, a McDonald's advert for the Qatar World Cup. Right. Uh, we thought, we can't do it. No. You know, even though it was only 15 seconds or something, just thought, we can't let them have it, you know. But, 
So we still have some principles. <laughs> it's, it's the funny. money wasn't good enough. <laughs> but that's what I like about you as well, that it is, you know, that you're principled and that's great, but there's a, there's a reality to it as well because it's very easy to be an activist yeah. and go, oh, I'd never take the money. Well, but then when the money's offered to you, that's a, that's, was, a, that's a different prospect. There was a period in, what, 93? The uh, News International got in touch. Yeah. And uh, they said they wanted to use it. So our publisher rang up and said, it's a massive offer here. It's a proper, you know... Lottery money, you know. Yeah. He said, who is it? He said, oh, it's News International. I said, yeah, but who is it? <laughs> and we found out in the end it was the sun. Yeah. And we said, we can't. He said, what, you're fucking mad. It's only a few people. And it said, no, we can't. I can't go. We can't do it. It's no. just impossible, you know, to do. Um, and then a group called Hurricane Number no. 1. Yeah. Have you heard of them? Uh, They'd no. already done the advert in black right. and white. It was like our original Altogether Now advert. Right thinking they could just buy us off, you know, but, you know, we, we kept, you know, we kept to our print. Bastard. Yeah. Why wasn't it the Daily Mirror? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you, there are times when you have to say that, but there are, you know, there are, and there, you couldn't have done that. No, we couldn't <laughs> have done that because we already turned Piers Morgan's car yeah, over tell and us, we, tell us around about, about the same time. <laughs> tell us about that. Uh, we were doing, uh, like, a radio, capital radio uh, stock car racing show, so there was us <laughs> in the middle of the field, with madness, uh, and we were both mining to various songs and that. And we, let's say, we'd, we'd uh, taken a lot of Guinness on board that day, you know. And uh, <laughs> anyway, we saw no one wanted to go in the stock cars because we were all over the limit, like. But Roy, our drummer, said, Oh, I'll, I'll have a go. We hadn't drunk as much. And we saw um, <laughs> two pints, maybe. Three, but anyway, we saw Piers Morgan and a son car pull up, to, and Roy was behind him. He said, there's that bastard Piers Morgan. Because <laughs> he did the bizarre column in the sun. Yeah. He was, you know, he was a no, nobody really knew him then. So it was Lee from Madness. We all looked at each other and we went, charge. <laughs> and so we ran over, got a tipped the car and we tipped it over. And as it went over, it was upside down. And the diesel was dropping, you know, onto the floor. And Lee was going, get the fucking matches. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not joking. Piers Morgan was screaming, you know, he was, we could have done society a big favour. You really could. You know, there's those moments you look back on. It's like and going we, back to finding baby Hitler you had. We've got good footage of it. Yeah, Carl we, Hunter took the footage of it. We right. will release it one day when we know how to. Because <laughs> it's on cine camera. But anyway, the next day, Piers Morgan turned it round to my mates, the farm. Because what he'd done is after the incident, he'd gone running up to Keith Mullen, our guitarist, put his arm around him. Now, he had the helmet on. Keith's looking at him like, that doesn't know who it is. And he gets the picture like right. that. Right, yeah. If that was the internet now, we would be fucking finished. Yeah. Because everyone would be saying, there's Keith with his mate Piers Morgan. He didn't even know who he was. <laughs> he had the fucking helmet on. Yeah. And uh, the next day, it turned it around, and we thought... He's going to go far, right? He's a clever <laughs> bastard. <laughs> he totally turned it round as if we were all in on it together. And we were, you know, we, we, we were trying to do him damage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, though, because you were, you know, you, it's interesting you went that way. And that shows what kind of a, a mind he has. Because, you know, uh, some journalists right, might go, right, I'm going to hammer I'm gonna hammer them. I'm going to find out anything I can about them. I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm going to slate them in the press. And he, and he sort of he twisted, twisted it, it and yeah. it's much worse for you well, than he did it. It's clever. We went to uh, a <laughs> smash hits party and we wouldn't talk to the son, you see, of course, and we wouldn't talk to him even through press agents, you know what I mean? So anyway, take that at the bar. Now, take that weird, the massive phenomenon. They, 
So they were talking at the bar, Piers Morgan was there, and he saw our manager, Kevin. So he come running over and said, uh, we just won Indie Band of the Year or something. And he said, look, I know you won't speak to me, but just fax me anything. Faxes, remember them? <laughs> uh, just fax me anything. It doesn't have to, it, it, you make it up, do anything, but I just need something, some copy. It can be a pile of shit, <laughs> which obviously it was in the yeah. sun, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not that any of you would know. Because <laughs> you never read it. It was, it actually really turned up. That's Peter Hooten. My next guest, I think, might be the, my favourite podcast of the year that I've done. Um, I, this isn't someone that uh, you necessarily would know the name of. I think you would know the face of. Um, but he had fantastic stories. One of them we had to cut out because he forgot that this was going to go out as a podcast. It was quite interesting stuff about working on Phoenix Nights. That's why it's worth coming to see the shows live. Um, but really funny and really moving and incredible stuff from a man who's been in all the greatest sitcoms of the 21st century, in the UK at least. It's Neil Fitzmorris. And then let's talk about Peep Show, because it's like that it turns out to be just... An amazing Jeff in Peach Shop turns out to be an amazing character, which I presume you get recognised for all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's it's almost like a dream because it's it's just a character who comes in every now and again. An episode is brilliant that. and is yeah. completely memorable, and you know it's it's yeah. And it was it was one of them things that just, again it was uh, um, a guy called Ian Morris who went on to write the Inbetweeners and stuff. Yeah. He was um, he was a uh, he was a, a commissioner at Channel Four. And he was a big fan of Phoenix Nights. And um, and they were doing Peep Show, and he, and he called them up and said, do you want to come down? And I actually, believe it or not, read for Superhands. Really? Yeah, Mar- yeah, no, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I really want to be in this alternate universe it's where just, you're... I know. Where you're, like an episode you're of Pirates of the Caribbean it, you know as well. I mean? you're, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> an episode of Sliders where I made it, you know what I mean? Um, so, so, yeah, it was weird. I went for... So Matt King, obviously, was doing Super... And then he went, oh, does this character Jeff... Um, and I started reading it, and I went, do you want me own accent? And they went, yeah. And it's just something about, you know, the Scouse thing and, and, and being a bit of a smart arse. And, yeah. Uh, and it just seems to connect with it. And I still have, I have more people, weirdly now, more people uh, talk about Peep Show than, than Phoenix Nights, I think, because Peep Show um, is generational. I mean, students love Peep Show. It's a big student show, and then they pass it on. And, yeah, I think so. You know, and then I think it's, it's took up that mantle of that. So I get loads of photographs where people go, can you just do that? Because <laughs> it's one of the things that Peep Show... I think because we just, we, we were like probably maybe in lockdown or maybe just before lockdown, we wa- re- re-watched the whole of Peep Show. It's one of those shows that I think you do keep coming back to. It's a very, you know, it's what an amazing show to, to so be clever. a part of. Yeah, it was. And you never, never knew at the time, you know, Olivia Coleman was in it for God's sake. Yeah. And you, know, you, don't, you don't know, <laughs> you don't know where, and she's a, she was amazing then, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you just watch people that I know, there's no surprise that she went to Stella Heights because she's just a phenomenal actress. And you watch her doing stuff. You know, you, you watch her offset when she's just adding stuff to scenes and she's just extraordinary talent, you know. Yeah. But, you know, and, and David was... Uh, David was exactly the same as Dave Mar- as Mark Horrigan. <laughs> He's exactly... It was funny. I, sometimes he, he, I don't think he'd ever seen anyone from Liverpool before. I don't think he'd ever... <laughs> I don't, it was just terrifying to him. So he never really got around me at all. He was just sort of, hello. Um... And every now and again, like he'd be doing like a crossword in the independent or something, and uh, in between, and I'd you know I'd, I'd lean over and I'd go, oh, uh, seven across. I think that's inappropriate. And he'd go, yes. <laughs> Just astounded that I had an education. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, it is, Neil. Well done. <laughs> yes. Um, 
<laughs> I, had to, I had to do. We had to do a scene once in in Peep Show when I'd I'd moved in with Sophie with Olivia Coleman's character, and um, and then we split up and and I'm packing my stuff out the flat and and uh, we had to do this little scene where he turns around to me and he says, "I think you better leave, Jeff," and um, and I turn around to him and I go and I look at him and I go, "Who's going to fucking make me? Are you going to fucking make me?" And we did the rehearsal and he. I sh I, he shit himself. It was unbelievable. <laughs> he went white, you know, and, and and then and then he was and then he went missing. Right? So they were setting up for the shot, and then I went, "Where's where's um where's Dave?" And he went, "Oh, he's he's, he's gone outside." He <laughs> fucking crapped himself because I don't. It was such a weird environment. He hadn't. I don't think he'd been north of the Wofford Gap. I mean, by the way, you probably sue me because he has, but I, I, it just seemed odd. It seemed like I was. It fitted that character because yeah, I was so was different from everyone else in it, you know what I mean? And it was a great show. It was really a really difficult show to do because the discipline of acting is not to look down the camera lens. Yes. And all of Peep Show was looking down the camera lens. So I would find myself looking at the people standing... Because what they would do is we, when we f did the first series, they constructed a harness and it was a camera lens that went right there in the centre of your eyes and like a kind of harness that went over your head. So they just sort of moved like that because it was all PO. It was originally called POV, the show, which is point of view, but they changed it to PP. But what happened was when they do like a one take, the person had lifted off and they'd have all marks on their head where this <laughs> thing had been. So they'd have to wait for that to go to shoot the reverses. So it became totally impractical to yeah. do it. So it was just a handheld cameraman over the shoulder. And then you would basically have the person saying lines off. So they would be standing right next to them. But because they're standing right next to it, the discipline as an actor is, is you would be looking across at them all the time because right. you didn't want to look down the lens. Yeah. But you had to look down the lens. So it was quite a tricky show to do. And when you had stuff that we had, we had a place we all worked in called JLB Credit with the amazing Patterson Joseph who played yeah. Johnson. Just unbelievable actor. Just yeah. incredible. Um, and you had like nine or ten people sitting at a table. It would take a week to do a scene or two scenes because you had to shoot every single POV. Right. So you'd, you'd do this thing to death, you know. So it was... It was quite a, it was quite a challenge to shoot, but it was an amazing show to be on, and it was and amazing to see how it how it grows. And still does. I still get asked to do like peep show quizzes. Yeah. And these all go around the country, and they pack out as a thousand people all shouting, "Jeff, you wanker!" <laughs> <laughs> this is extraordinary. I like Jeff. I want I want I want him to win. Well, this is the thing. People always say about you. So, I mean, he was voted apparently like the Channel 4's worst, biggest comedy baddie or something, right. which is great. But <laughs> for me, it was Mark Corrigan who was the, who was the arsehole of yeah. that show. I mean, he was the opinionated one who sort of slagged everyone off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of found him out a bit. But... Yeah, no, terrific. Do listen to Neil Fitzmaurice's podcast. Um, it's a really good one. I'd, I'd say go back and listen to all of them, even if you listened to them before. But um, don't be put off if it's not someone whose name you recognise from off of the telly. Uh, another comedian i'm sure will be super famous very soon is already doing incredibly well it's uh, harriet kemsley what's oh, this is this there might be some winchester um crossover in this uh what's the strangest statue you've ever seen if you are you observing in winchester they had uh, a statue of greta thunberg <laughs> but uh they had to take it away and hide it from the furious it's like the reverse it's like the reverse Bristol. It's like the unwoke Bristol here. <laughs> if you put a statue of Greta Thunberg up, they try and chuck it in the sea. Is that serious? Yeah. 
Was, was it made of recycled plastic? Because <laughs> that's so bad if it's just like, what was it made of? The I don't know. I was just told that the tech before the show told me it was cost 20 grand. What was it made of? Bronze. Bronze? Wow, bronze. Fucking hell. And you got rid of it. Yeah, they've, got to, they've had to hide it from the furious... Well, Winchester... Furious I, people of Winchester. I hope you sink first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you got any... Have you, there was a statue in Hammersmith... Uh, I, when I sat in, in the roundabout in Hammersmith and I lived there, if you sat in Starbucks and looked out, there was a man leaning over uh, and it really looked like he was doing a shit. <laughs> but it was actually his testicles, weirdly enough. His, his, the, the, there was a naked man, and it's, but it just looked like he was... Because he was standing like this. And it just looked, if you looked at it from a certain angle, it just looked like poo was coming out of his bum. Who was it? I don't think it was any. I don't think it was. It wasn't like Greta Thunberg. Let's do Greta Thunberg. But she's doing the shit. The people of Winchester would have loved that. it. Yeah, yeah. we'll see that one. She's shitting on. <laughs> yeah. She's shitting on our dream hopes and dreams. Would you? Would you accept that if we if we get the Greta Thunberg shitting? No, we don't want her here. Not even shit. Someone shitting on Greta Thunberg. How about that? So what... how about Piers Morgan shitting on Greta, Greta Thunberg? Oh my god. She's like... <laughs> where is she now? Exactly, where is she? No, She's... the statue. Oh, the statue. Um, <laughs> that's showbiz. Um, I think they hid it in the, 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 uh, the college somewhere, right? The students put it up. Look at, I mean, look at this audience. Look at them. It's where? It's in the university. That's what I said, that's where the students were. Yeah, the students were like that, yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen an unusual statue? I've, I've given you a few there. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I've given think... some great answers to my own question. I was trying to think of a statue. Um, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, that's unusual. Seen that. Uh, the Eiffel. I was going to say statue, but tower. Um, it's kind of a statue. <laughs> it is. It's a, statue it's a really big to, one. To, yeah. To... Yeah, but I guess they're not. There's nothing really much to say about them. They're quite well loved. Um... Do you travel a lot <laughs> when you when you go? I mean, there aren't very many interesting yeah. statues. Like, I'll ask you this instead, which is sort of a, mm. a, a segue away, a tangent from it. But if all the art galleries and museums in the world got together and said, we love Harriet's comedy, we're going to let her take one thing home <gasps> from any museum or art gallery in the world, is there anything you would like to own? The gift shop. <laughs> that's it is the I'd best take. bit. Yeah, that's what I'd take. But do you want uh, multiple copies of everything? Is that what you'd like? Or do you, would you just set up shop there and sell things? Well, yeah, I guess I'd I'd be the Richard Herring of uh, I'd just sell gifts like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like you look like a one man gift shop I right do, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or your wares, or so. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. Well, I guess I only need I'd only need one of everything. But you'd be nice to browse now and again, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but it's sort of I do like going to gift shops. So when you, and you've got a, a young kid, but they're probably too young to young daughter to be interested. But once you get that, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Museums, they trick you in there. Yeah. It's always shit. It's just a load of old paintings and stuff and rubbish things they found in the ground. I think I and still like And I then you come like out and you have, to, you have to buy some postcards and a poster and key rings. But the problem is I'm still on that level. Yeah. So me and her are just going to be buying loads of key rings. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to stop us? Uh, it's good. It is fun. Yeah. Fridge magnets. Yeah. Well, I, I don't actually care about fridge magnets, okay, no. I guess. What would, you, um, what would be your... This is a new emergency question. <laughs> Going in a gift shop, what yeah. would be the first thing you would uh, be thinking about buying from a gift shop? Probably a drink. <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably die after you've had to wander around the gift shop. You know, if they have like a 
some cans. A nice couple, a couple of cans. <laughs> yes, yeah. So you know, not only like do you not like, art. not only do you not like <laughs> museums, art galleries, and not interested in owning any art. You don't. You're not even interested in owning anything related to the museum. <laughs> what you're saying is, I just like, I like a can of coke. If it was a can of coke, would you have diet coke or? Um, or yeah, have coke? a coke zero, coke maybe. Zero. Yeah. That's for men. You're not allowed to have that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, is it really? Yeah. Still. My wife does a routine about has diet coke and coke zero the same thing. Uh, no, they, it's, it is more it's delicious. Slightly different. It's slightly different, but it's basically the same thing. But they yeah. made it for men because men yes. men were too scared to ask for the looking. Week if they ask for Diet Coke. You're absolutely pathetic. How sad is that that yeah. they have to think about that? It is just, well, we're, we're a weak species and pathetic species. <laughs> and we, we try and get, we make sure statues of Greta Thunberg get hidden away. That's because <laughs> it challenges our masculinity. That was Harriet Kemsley. I talked to her in Winchester. And uh, we'll talk after the ad break. We're going to hear from the other person I talked to in Winchester. This is like going back through the tour. Uh, That was a weird bit of the tour, actually, because uh, usually I've got a tour manager. It was the most driving. My tour manager couldn't do most of this section. So I drove to Winchester, then I drove from Winchester to Exeter, then I drove from Exeter to Cheddar, then I drove from Cheddar to Bath. uh, And then uh, I had to drive home from Bath as well, even though I did have a tour manager back for Bath. Anyway, that's just my story. And it was... uh, that was six podcasts in four days, which is too many. But somehow they worked out OK. Anyway, and now it is time for um, some more advertisements. Go and buy these things now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Thanks very much to everybody who has supported us either by putting ads in the podcast, by sponsoring the podcast, or by listening to the podcast, or by becoming a badger or joining ACAS Plus. This podcast is powered by ACAS Plus. Um, if you go to ACAS Plus, uh, put ACAS Plus Plus Rahalas to put into Google and you'll get the place to go. Five quid a month and you get loads of bonus extras. Or you can become a badger. Go com slash badgers. Similarly, loads of extra stuff and you get entered into a monthly draw it's a lot of fun anyway back to winchester where there are the cathedral is full of the bones of medieval monarchs it's worth going there i didn't but i wish i had and my guest was the brilliant political comedian and actor matt green 
I was watching a very funny uh, routine, which we probably can't go into in loads of detail because it was quite a long routine. Yeah. But you had a um, a tweet that went mm. viral. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and got re- retweeted by J.K. Rowling, I think. Is that right? Before that was controversial. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, yeah, that, was, um, that was my own, my first taste of kind of internet virality before I started making videos and stuff. Right. That was um, 2017, I think it was. Uh, and it was the tweet was something like, uh, Brexit increasingly feels to me like a man in his 50s who can't wait to get divorced so he can get on Tinder and meet loads of 20-year-olds. Right. And that is how it always goes with gigs. <laughs> it's one of those jokes that people go, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real hmm. Uh, but on Twitter, obviously, people liked it because it, it sort of sums something up about... I think, what the Brexit process felt like then. And still does. I think it's still... And the number of people you hear making basically that joke that, yes. you know, Britain is sort of in a, in a relationship or, or was in a bad relationship and is now divorced but still wants to kind of fuck around and, you know... Yes. There, but what my favourite thing about that experience was that as I... That, um, yeah, as, as I put on the video, is that, like, just, I just got hundreds and hundreds of replies and almost every reply initially, anyway, was people explaining the joke back yeah. to me. <laughs> just, just people going, yeah, yeah. And those 20-year-olds won't want to fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, that is literally the joke I'm making, yes. <laughs> but then it got weird, and then people started, like, like ex- elaborating on it and creating more jokes out of it and sort of going, yeah, and actually he'll, he'll end up stuck in his in his wife's shed in the garden and he'll be masturbating while she's fucking a, a younger man or something. It's like, I think this is actually something that's happening in your life, isn't it? This is... I think, I think you... And, but then also there were, obviously, then there were the kind of Brexit fans who would come in and go, I think you'll find his wife was ugly, actually. And she'd been mistreating him for years. And... And actually, men deserve better than that. And I really miss my wife. And like, what? what? You're <laughs> but yeah, but, but it was one of these ones where it went quite, you know, it got a bit viral. And I think probably you retweeted it and a few other people retweeted it. Uh, and it was like getting, it got maybe about 500 retweets or something. It was a lot for me then. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's, you know, I've never had anything like that. And I went to bed and then overnight, J.K. Rowling retweeted it. And it just went, you know, and just thousands of people found it and retweeted it. And, uh, and then, yeah, it was, uh, it was just really fun. Yeah, it's, fun. But it's a really fun routine. And also it kind of goes off into discussions of supermarket. Oh, so it goes so oh, God, weird. Yeah, yeah there's a bit it. where it kind of goes off into about Little and... Uh, God, I've forgotten that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some, some guy... Yeah, I can't even remember how that goes now. But someone said... It's something about like, yeah... Um, and Oh, that's it. It's, someone says, yeah, and, and he'll be stuck eating... Um, stuck eating value beans from Aldi... At the buck, you know, in, in, a, in a shed whilst his wife's off doing something else. <laughs> and someone replied, went, I quite like value beans. <laughs> and then someone else was like, um, actually, I think the beans from Little are actually quite good too. <laughs> and then someone was like, are Aldi and Little from the same company? I thought they would. And then, so, and then someone else replied, yeah, actually, they were, they, apparently it was a, 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 a couple of brothers who set up Aldi and one set up Little. And then they worked together for a while, then they split up and they now have totally different. And then, and then one was like, is this, was this German Brothers? Yeah, it was German Brothers. And then, it, and then finally, right at the end, it's like people just going, sorry, what, is, what are we talking about now? Like, 
And then, and then someone was like, yeah, I really like Aldi Brothers. And, and I really like Aldi Beans. And someone was like, yes, that was the point of this conversation. <laughs> and I love, and, and yeah, it's a shame. And we were talking about stage, how Twitter's become less fun these days. And yeah. That was definitely It's called X now, call it X. Yeah. So I insist you call it I will, X. I will never, that's my small rebellion. I will never call it X. <laughs> Don't it will always be, because have you noticed now in, 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 like on in papers and stuff, whenever they say somebody posted something, they always say someone posted something on X brackets, formerly Twitter, and <laughs> that will never change. No one's ever going to just say X. Um, but yeah, it used to be f- that that was at a time when it, I remember Twitter was much more fun, and you could have these things would happen without it just becoming just all bots and you know. Yeah, yeah. Though it's sort of almost a, you know, it's, a, it's almost the it almost foreshadows what's to come in the kind of craziness oh, of yeah, the yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, but, I'm not saying it was like a golden age. You know, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely true. You know, I think, it is, I think, it's, I think it's broken to, to an extent that it's not any use for what we were using for. If we want to become like Nazis, fucking brilliant, though. <laughs> if you fancy it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not tempting. saying... If I have to come down on, on, off the fence, I'm saying Nazis are bad, right? <laughs> but it's... If we gave it a go... Yeah, you and we could do it together. Look, there isn't a single, you know, middle-aged white <laughs> straight comedian who yeah. hasn't at least slightly thought there's quite a big market there. <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a big Nazi market. It's growing all the time. It's growing yeah, all the it's, time. It, so. it's sadly a very growing market. They're quite. They're, yeah, they. Yeah. I would be. Ca- I would. I would. Uh, I would say be cautious to those comedians because Nazis can grow to be a really big thing and then just the next day, bang, it's gone again. So, yeah. And historically, it's, you know. Yeah. It might be but exciting that, to play around I don't around think it happened, it. sadly, I don't think that bang happened overnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was... That was like a five-year... Oh, yeah, it was a five-year pro- five bang. It was quite a tricky process, I'd <laughs> say, yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah. then there was a gone. big, long bang with yeah. lots, of, lots of little bangs in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess. We're talking about the war, aren't we? We're talking yeah, about the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the Adolf, Adolf Hitler's Nazis. I yeah. was talking about. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. Um, look, it's. Um, <laughs> I don't think we can beat that. Uh, so. Uh, That's what he said. <laughs> that was Matt. After I spoke to Matt, I went to the uh, Premier Inn and then I got up in the morning and I drove to Exeter where I spoke. I got a little bit lost um, trying to find the venue and finally got to the venue and I spoke to. Again, a really unique comedian. I love his stuff, but I love his acting work as well. It's Spencer Jones. What I admire about you is you do, you really, you know, it it seems so chaotic in a way what you're doing, but also so beautifully crafted, you know, and it's so imaginative. But you really think about stuff. And I I listened to you talking to Stuart Goldsmith as I was driving here. And, you know, you you talked about just how you walk onto stage and that's something you learned as you were doing this course, you walked, you learned about yeah. how the confidence, how you walk, you can tell from the way someone walks onto stage whether they're going to be good or not. And I don't think I ever really, I think even right to this day, I don't think I've really thought about it. But, you know, I do know that, and I think you're the same. I, my wife says, actually, Lou Sanders said that when I get on stage, it's like an otter going into water, you know, like, you sort of think before, you look at me, who's this fucking prick? <laughs> and then I come on stage and I'm sort of alive when yeah. I'm doing my stand-up, especially, and I'm sort of alive and I'm in that moment. Yeah. So I guess I've got the walk on, I know what it is, and yeah. I've got the, because I've got the confidence because I love it so much. But that's so interesting. You know, it's re- that, probably that piece of advice, if you're a new stand-up, think about the way you walk on stage and, yeah. what, and, and what it communicates, because it doesn't have to be, hey, I'm very confident. It can be the opposite of that, but you have to think about what it says about you because you're exactly and, yeah and that's such a clever thing to have thought 
I don't, early on. I, I think, think I, I was lucky because you, you, you always, as a, when I was doing stand up, I'd always think, what's the first gag? Got to get the first gag right. Got to get it right. Got to get it right. It's been an absolute banger. But you've, you've they've, they've watched, I know you guys are watching someone walk on stage. Yeah. And when I was doing the clown course, <clears throat> and you've got like, say, 35 people in, in the room. You know, and, and they'll go, okay, I want you to walk on stage. And you'd have, I don't know, five people doing the, the, the bit and then 30 would be watching. And so you'd get a chance to watch five people walking on stage and you start to go, oh, hello. Someone walks on, he thinks he, he looks like a bit like a swan. You know, or, oh, she looks like she's in charge of things or yeah. he, lo- he thinks he's a dancer. And, there's, and so if you were doing a comedy night, you might be looking at your notes and working out. You might watch one person go on. But in a room of 35 people when you're working for a whole day, you'll see like, I don't know, 150 entrances yeah. in a day. And I realised there was something magic in that because the magic is, I think, in the audience's head. It's not in ours at that moment. Yeah. And so as a result, and that's how those little things start to get start to build up because I was walk, about to walk on stage when I was when I really early on when I was starting to do the clowny stuff and I was looking in the mirror and I looked so I was like this you don't look funny enough mate <laughs> not funny enough I'm not laughing at you and then I so I, I put a pair of tights on you know so you could see my winkle and stuff <laughs> and I was like it's still not funny enough and then and there was an evening standard and I rolled it up and made it into a sausage and I stuck it in my uh, in my shoulders and I thought that's getting there and I combed the hair down as I had the, uh, uh, longish hair at the time and then there was some scissors and I went, yeah. <laughs> I just chopped the hardest fringe and right. I looked in the mirror and said, yeah, he, he'll, he'll do. <laughs> and, then, and then you kind of realise when you walk on stage people go, oh my God, what's this? <laughs> what the fuck is this? And so originally I used to, I used to say, what is he? I pretend that that's you know, that what the audience were thinking. You just build from there, little bit build from there, and as long as you as long as you're being nice to the audience and they're having a nice time, that was that was enough for me at the start, you know, and, yeah. and doing that. And it just builds, you know. You go, I've got a five now. You got to do a ten. <laughs> now you got a fifteen minute. Um, yeah, it's weird how it's turned out. I came to London to become an actor. <laughs> yeah, well, which is <laughs> which I'm luckily I've done a bit of it. Yeah, which has happened. So it's, it's yeah. really, you know, it's interesting that it works that way. But you know you're a very you know you're extremely successful with this character. Not only have you had you know TV series with him that are brilliant, I and mean, we did we talked about this last time you were on. But they're short shows. That yeah. I'm presuming there aren't going to be any more because it was a little while ago. But maybe there are going to be. No, more. I, I, I didn't want to do any more. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> I thought that's enough. It's just too hard. It is, well, look, it is you know use up so much material. But I, if, they must be on iPlayer or they're on YouTube or something. Yeah. Go and check them out because they're. They're just so solidly invented Bless and you. fantastic. Thank you, mate. But you know, you've you've been nominated for comedy awards and won some. You won the Barry Award in in Australia, right? Which is no, no, no. I won a comedian's comedian award comedian. in, in in England. Yeah, I oh, was England. But they used yeah. to call it the Barry Awards to make it sound like it was the one, the big one from Australia. <laughs> yeah. My mum doesn't care either way. No, it was still good. It's you know, but that's <laughs> it's it, you know to take something that you're doing and it's you know it's unlike anything else. And to, win, and to get nominated for awards is fantastic. So, you know, and to get TV shows. Yeah. Spencer Jones there, truly one of the nicest men you could ever hope to meet. Um, we are a bit worried in Exeter that uh, Peter Richardson hadn't turned up. He's the next guest. Uh, and uh, he was then, I heard he was wandering around somewhere backstage. Uh, then I met him backstage uh, and he didn't seem to know who I was. And he said, are you Richard Harrington or something? I said, no, I'm Richard Herring. Uh, he didn't seem to understand what was going on. But uh, he gave a very good interview and uh, there were moments as he laughed that he looked exactly like the Peter Richardson of the 1980s.
his little cheeky, handsome face. Great stories. Here he is, Peter Richardson. Only it's it's sort of weird and uh, weird, but it's it's weird how quite a few of your things have parallels in in America. I think the uh, the obviously the bad news and Spinal Tap sort of evolving yeah, at the quite same a time. Actually, yeah, yeah. we, we tried about the same time. Never never knew what they were doing. They didn't know our, our, our show either. I mean, ours came up earlier because yeah. we made, but I think they were made about the same time. Yeah, we, th- those things happen, you know. They do, of course, and you know, and, they, and they're very different takes on the. Yes, I mean, theirs was a successful band sort of coming down, and we were a, a really grubby band trying to go up. Yeah, so it's a different kind of story. Yeah, did you? Did it? I mean, it was, it was spine, Bad news was probably more successful in the short term than Spinal Tap was. Anyways, you probably felt like the no. Spinal Tap didn't really. It's fly huge. until it went out on... But no, it came out on video and then everyone got into it, but it didn't do very well to begin with. Whereas Bad News, I think you were, you were making singles and you took... Well, tell? that happened after... Was it? We did the Castle of Donington, the yeah. Monsters of Rock. With, with Ozzy Osbourne, Lemmy, Lemmy yeah. from Motorhead, Jeff Leppard, um, Saxon, <laughs> every heavyweight, heavyweight, heavy metal band. Yeah. And we were on about third i think <laughs> yes. we arrived at eight in the morning there were mud fights going on there was about sixty thousand people out there yeah and uh, we had there were some banners for us out there bad news and our characters and that from people we were holding up banners yeah and we started having mud fights at eight eight in the morning what's going to happen by three in the afternoon <laughs> and of course it was bottles of piss coming at us <laughs> so, right? there was tommy vance came on it was a sort of curtain where all the roadies could work behind metal mesh curtain yeah. that stopped all these bottles coming at them when they were trying to do wiring up the stage. And Tommy Vance came on with a crash helmet, body armor, <laughs> raised the curtain, did these bit bottles, wow. plastic bottles of piss flying all around them. <laughs> they saved it for us. But that, they, they liked you, though, as well. I mean, maybe not all of them, the throwing piss, but they, they, like, they, was... they liked to abuse us. That was, yeah. They loved to abuse us. I mean, we had... We had a lot of stories on bad news. I mean, I'm going to tell you all about that. <laughs> you can tell me. I won't tell you. <laughs> um, That's very funny. So you're playing your own... You played all the instruments as well, though, right? We did. We're playing, we're playing live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the first gig there in front of about 60,000, 70,000. It was our very first gig. Right. It was like it's snuff, snuff comedy, really. Yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was, we I mean, there was a lot of confidence in that group of people. I mean, it was an ama- it's an amazing group of people. Obviously, like... Yeah. Rick Mayall, uh, I mean, um, again, was, must have been a Amazing. Pheno- he didn't know he played a note on the bass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's just too busy prancing around. Yeah. But, Showing off, being, being funny. Yeah. I said, it's far too serious. We're, we're trying to play a band. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we had some extraordinary... We, we did this tour, actually, which is after, after um, EMI gave us an advance, which most of it went spent on catering at Trevor Horn's studio to do yeah. the album with Brian May. And we went on this... Tour and that was just, I think, put us off ever being in a rock band, you know. <laughs> it was exhausting. Um, but I'll just tell you one quick thing. One, one night we came back through Dorset from Portsmouth where we'd had sheep flies thrown at us. And, oh, yeah, it was like weird. Very, I don't know if there was sort of veterinary surgeons on a night out. <laughs> I think people, you were so bad, people were going out, <laughs> getting a sheep's eyes out of their sockets. That's right. To throw them. God knows where they, these <laughs> eyes came from. It's just the stage was littered with these eyes. Wow. That was the start of the evening. Yeah. I twisted my ankle, so I was only playing the drums with one foot. <laughs> and we drove down through Dorset, past the Dorset, Dorset Knob Biscuit Factory, which is on the top of a hill. And you come down towards Chalmers, and there's this bend, and we found this scooter lying in the road. And um, 
So we pulled over and stopped and called out and said, anybody there? And we climbed up the hedge and this guy had not only just gone over the hedge, but he'd gone down into a quarry. Oh. Not a field, he'd just gone straight down this quarry and there's a, mo- there's a bloke with him down there. And they go, help! God. And so we scrambled, Rick and Nigel and I scrambled down this side of this quarry to sort of help whatever. And as we got this guy had broken so many bones and he was in a terrible state. I mean, so Rick and Nigel immediately, God knows why, started being Rick and Neil from the young ones. <laughs> right. so, it's all right, man. Don't worry. It's Neil <laughs> Rick here. And, so, and Nigel's going, it's all right. I'll help you, man. You know, stay, stay, he's going to stay awake, man. And I'm just seeing this guy's lying there thinking, <laughs> I, I have, I've died. And, I, and, the, and the young ones are there to greet me as I go through the gates of St. Peter. And so, we, wow, so anyway, we waited till this guy had obviously called, gone, got to get an ambulance, and the ambulance arrived, and we drove on back to, to Devon. We were, we were staying to play Exeter the next day. Yeah. And we, we went on about, about two weeks later, we came to Bristol Colston Hall, which we're not allowed to mention, are we? Um, <laughs> I think you can mention Anyway, this, then this, woman, this young woman came out and said, uh, would you sign this poster? It's my my brother, who's in hospital, and uh, he, he, he was the one you rescued from this quarry in Dorset. Amazing. So, we, so Rick, I mean, Rick and... We all signed it, rude things. Yeah. Rick signed, you stupid cunt. <laughs> 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 so I'm sure, he, I'm sure he treasures that poster, you know. I'm sure he does, if he's, you know... If he, if, <laughs> that's incredible. That's a, what a wonderful story. Amazing. You know, it almost makes me wish I'd crashed a motorcycle so I could have met the young ones. That would have been pretty cool. That was Peter Richardson, absolutely one of the most important people in modern British comedy. So I hope you listened to his interview. And the next guest isn't from the tour. This was a remote one we did a bit more recently um, and is, again, one of the most important people in comedy in the world. Um, It's absolutely amazing that he came on our podcast. Absolutely amazing um, CV, the films he has directed and appeared in and the TV shows he's appeared in. Uh, just unbelievable it's rob reiner well people will know you from uh from many different things i i would argue possibly from being uh a director of some fantastic films i would say you're a very highly rated director but i would still say you're an underrated director rob for for my money um i mean let's let's uh let's <laughs> up my rating <laughs> i think so i i said when i was knew i was going to interview you that you interviewed what I consider to be the best film of all time. I talked to Chris, my producer, who said he thought you directed what he considered to be the best film of all time. And two other people who also agreed, we all chose four different films. So <laughs> my, my favourite film is uh, Spinal Tap, which I think is the greatest comedy film there's ever been, but also any film. Uh, Chris loved uh, The Princess Bride. Uh, I think my wife chose uh, When Harry Met Sally. And uh, Stand By Me, which I think is your favourite, was someone else's choice as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it, it's my favorite only because it means so much to me. Okay. I don't know that it's the best of the films I've made, but it, it you know, personally means a lot to me. But, you know, uh, since your film, your favorite film is uh, This is Final Tap, you know, we're we're making a sequel. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. We're we're, we're going to start shooting in uh, in the, the end of February and uh, everybody's back. And uh, Paul McCartney is joining us and Elton John and a few other surprises, Garth Brooks and uh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, I look forward to that. I it's, it is a film that I go, I, I'm a touring comedian and I'm sure all comedians and musicians say this to you, but it's a, it's a film you can watch on tour and, and see a lot of touring in whatever level you're at. 
Um, I'm also working on some, I've been working on some improvised films as well. So I just wondered what you, what do you think the secret to putting together a, a film that is largely or entirely improvised is? What's the, the best? The, 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 the only thing that matters is that you get people who are good at improvising. You have to get people who feel comfortable doing that and who's, uh, uh, you know, you know, they, 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 if you don't get those people, you're, you're, you know, you need the horses, you yeah. need the horses to do it. And if you get people who can improvise and they're funny and whatever, then, then you're off to the races. Cool. That's good. My favorite, one of my favorite bits I was thinking is, is something from you, which is the cricket bat scene where, uh, Ian's struggling to come up with why he's, why he's got the cricket bat. And you yeah. say that had a sense of affectation. It's one of, that's one of the things that I quote the most and that. That is you yeah. improvising, presumably. So thank you. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. He was searching for what I asked him about. I said, well, you have this cricket bat. I says, what do you use, use it? Why, why do you have it? He says, well, it's, uh, it's, uh, and he, he couldn't, he couldn't find the word. And I said, uh, affectation. He said, yeah. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing you can't you couldn't script but that's what i love about improvising is you, you yeah. the, the, the exchanges that come up are so natural and you couldn't script them or right. explain why they were funny but they are funny right. when, when right. Done. uh but of course that and do you feel that there's I, I feel with spinal tap and i won't talk about this too long i know we're going to talk about your podcast um but there's you know the what makes it work is um is how real it is yeah. Uh, is is there stuff? And I know there's hours and hours of footage that you didn't use. Is there stuff that you regret not being in the film? And is there anything that you look at it now and think, "Oh, I wish that scene hadn't been in the in the film." No, everything that's in there is something I wanted. Yeah, we shot so much footage. Yeah, and you know the whole thing is to try to tell a story. I mean, you know, you want to get a sense of the tour that we had and and the characters and tell a story. And what you want to do, especially with a comedy. You don't want to overstay your welcome. I mean, you know, this is a stand up, you know, yeah. you leave them wanting, you go off on a big laugh and get out, you know. So <laughs> the worst thing you can do is just load it up with, you know, even if they're funny things, they may be tangents and things that that take away from the from the drive of the film. And did you anticipate with it uh, to what how influential it would be? Because I think it has been and certainly here in the UK as well. But I know in America, um, I think you know. The, I, I worked on um, on the hour, which became the day to day, which was where Alan Partridge and uh, all those guys started. Armando Yanucci, and I know how much Armando was influenced by Spinal Tap. And did did, did you anticipate that it would would have this kind of influence and and still be all these years later, people wanting no, a sequel? We never never did. I mean, yeah. you know, we wound up in the national uh, American National Film Registry, which is you know, it's like bizarre that that happened. I mean, when it first uh, when we first previewed it, we previewed it in a, in a in a theater in Dallas, Texas, and the people they didn't know what the heck they were looking at, and uh, they came up to me afterwards and said, "I don't understand. Why would you make a movie about a band that nobody's <laughs> ever heard of, and a and they're so bad? Why would you do that?" And I he said, "You should make a movie about the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Don't make a movie." I said, "Well, it's a satire. I tried to explain it, you know." <laughs> But over the years, people people got it and they yeah. started to like it. Yeah, that was Rob Reiner. You never thought you'd hear him on Rahalastapa, but there you go. He he was uh, back to Exeter in the real world. Oh no, sorry. After Exeter, I then drove to Bath to home and saw my parents. Then I went to Bath, uh, and and in Bath, I spoke to Stuart Goldsmith, host of the Comedians Comedian podcast. 
Would you rather be an exhibit in an alien zoo, have all your needs catered for, but live in a cage and be gawked at daily, or live in an alien safari park where you would have freedom to roam, but would have to avoid super-rich aliens who have paid to hunt you and want to put your head on their wall? Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, would you rather have captivity? Yes, when safety? I when I heard the first bit of it, I thought, I'm taking whatever the second thing is. Because <laughs> that's one of my values. Captivity and safety, no way, man. Uh, like, I know that, you know, I've seen enough, I've seen enough, you know, dark sci-fi you know, short stories or visions of the future to go, no, you don't, you don't take the easy path, mate. You live, but not for very long, being no. hunted. No, I think, obviously, I'd, uh, I'd prefer to be gawped at. I mean, isn't that an analogy for being a comedian. <laughs> Are you saying, would you rather have your life now but in a sort of analogy, or would you rather be hunted by aliens? I'd go for the first but one. But be free. I think, like, you know... But what, what the... is freedom? Yeah, freedom, true. you know, everything is just a, a bigger cage, man. I suppose. I suppose the safari park has its bounds, even on an alien <laughs> planet ten times the size of Earth. Only the fly is truly free, and <laughs> yeah. he dies soon. He will die, especially if I get hold of him. Ruining my show. Oh, he's made it better. Um, right, let's, we'll, we'll come back. We'll do some, we'll do some more. So, you, look, you, you do... Can I, you, can I just ask how much... I'm going to ask the audience, yeah. how much of this podcast these days is Richard sort of making a point and then saying two or three things to himself? I'm, like, I'm <laughs> there, was, there was a very, like, you did a thing and then you composed a little three-act play. As you <laughs> Most of it. Most of it, lovely. I mean, it's all very, you know... Um, Joe Lysett was saying... Um, that for something that, that... What was the word? He said something that's so inept. That for someone who's so inept, it's amazing I've managed to make such a good podcast. Oh. But I think, I think... But he loves... He's one of the biggest fans of the podcast. Uh, and I think he, you know, I, he, his point is I do manage to get stuff out of people yes. despite appearing <laughs> to be inept. But my secret is I just am inept. <laughs> So I appear in it by being in it, but this, it works. I'm this like, is like a, gardener. This is a famous cure for imposter syndrome. <laughs> right. Like, you know, imposter syndrome. You think, oh, God, I'm going to get found out. I'm crap at this. You have to reframe it and think, I've got massively getting away with being shit and no one noticing <laughs> syndrome. It's been going for 35 years. I can't believe I've got this far. <laughs> people, people still come and see me. Not many, but some... This is practice for being an old man in a rocking chair. You did exactly the thing I just observed a moment ago. You did it all over. <laughs> well, I, I think one of my other things... I have a theory about um, us living in a simulation. You can listen to a couple of podcasts ago to hear about that. My, that, other, my other is theory... That simulation, is that the famous simulation theory? Are you, simulation. Are you claiming yeah, that's yours? That. <laughs> I've got a, lot, I've got a lot, of, lot about that. We're not going to talk about that. I think, you know, what, how do you know that you're not currently lying in an old folks' home, remembering what you think happened. So I think, I think there's every chance yes. that I am just, I'm currently going, and maybe making stuff, you know, what are the chances I played the Bath comedian and got Stuart Goldsmith on as a guest? What are the chances of that? I always think mathematically, one. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Um, I, I used to think that all the time. As a, I remember thinking that at school. I remember thinking that when I was maybe nine or ten. I thought I could... With me, it wasn't an old people's home. It was like, I could just wake up and I could actually be dreaming this. And I'm on a sort of hospital gurney, you know, having a... Yeah. You know, having a sort of some memory experience. I've, I've worried about that my entire life. I've always had a sort of metaphysical bent. And as a result, become a bit of a psychonaut in my 20s where you uh, take all sorts of illicit substances, right. uh, allegedly. And then... And kind of get to grips with the, you know, what is the cosmos and what is the stuff. Um, so I'm quite comfortable with that. I yeah. think, I, I, I suppose I pride myself on the fact that were I to suddenly wake up 
and, and, and realised it had been all a dream and I was an old man in a, a care home. Yeah. As well as thinking, oh, fuck. I, I feel like I'd recover quite quickly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've got, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But to be honest, that being the nature of time, it's only the present, isn't it? Yeah. So we are all, assuming you make it that long, we're all going to wake up being an old person in care because remembering, at one point... remembering stuff, and you don't know what you know. And I see, I, sometimes I look back at the last five years. Maybe it's because I've had kids, yeah. two kids for the, that time. That I can't think, I can't think of anything that happened in those Nothing. five years. So Nothing. Maybe, just I can't remember it. It did happen, but maybe Nothing. I'm not remembering because it's so far ago. My wife is like she's like. Uh, as, <laughs> she's like an external hard drive, <laughs> as well as being cool and very sexy, sexy very dynamic, sexy. <laughs> uh, and fun to be around. Um, she, but she is her memory is phenomenal, yeah. and she also takes copious pictures and prints them out and curates every year. She prints oh out these God. little kind of Polaroid style things from Instagram. It's like this. We've got these albums at home which I can look through, and I often I look through them and I feel sad because I. <laughs> Part of me is thinking, how beautiful. And part of me is thinking, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> Who is the man there? He looks happy. Look happy. Look at the happy man. Yeah. It's a, it's a terrible thing. That was Stuart Goldsmith, host of the Comedians Comedian Podcast. That was a great fun interview. Uh, and equally fun, if not more fun, no equally fun, let's be fair, was the next interview I did, also in Bath, with just, again, there's so many comedians out there who are just knocking out of the park every night, who are just fantastic on stage. And I hope this podcast serves as a shop window for them. And I hope that you will go and then see them live. This is Jared Christmas. Look, we've got a fantastic guest this week. He is, of course, you're here because he's best known as Moroccan Bob in Hollyoaks Later. That's, that's why we're... That's why we've come out to see him. Will you please welcome the incredible Jared Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Bath's own. He's from Bath. More or less, mate. That's all right. That's all right. Hello, everybody. It's good to see you. Good to be seen by you. (laughs) Oh, good. This is going to be fun. Um, Do you remember being on Hollyoaks later? Absolutely do. Yeah, how was that? Yeah, because I got on a bit of shit. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, so, um, yeah, Moroccan Bob. Um, I auditioned for the part, got it. Um, thank you. And uh, I, uh, I did really well. Yeah? I did really well. Because it was only meant to be one episode. Yeah. But after my recording, they went, we fucking want this guy back. <laughs> Even though my character died. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Hollyoaks, isn't it? So it yeah. doesn't matter. They're like, fucking, doesn't matter about that script. We wrote that in five minutes. Um... <laughs> So I quickly got written into the next episode. Right. Uh, and we filmed on a Tuesday in Liverpool. And then on the Wednesday, I went to Edinburgh, uh, did a run of shows, and uh, I was hanging out with a couple of comics. And we all decided to go and get our uh, hair cut. Right. And um, I was due to be filming in Liverpool on Hollyoaks the following Tuesday. And so on the Saturday afternoon going to a barber's with a couple of comics. We're having a laugh. Started as lunch. And then it, this is how crazy it gets. We're like, fuck it, let's go get haircuts. <laughs> and I sat down on the chair and I was like, I'm going to go extreme. I, I was like, you know, because I had quite a decent amount of hair. Not, not, like like, not the lion's mane that you have. No. I mean, fucking Simba. <laughs> it's incredible, mate. It's you can be my king. <laughs> um, and... Um, 
I have just watched that film with my kids, so it's really, really in my head at the moment. Um, it's a fucking beauty. I'm but the other way around. I'm it's the other way around. Yeah. You need to. Can we get someone to lift you? Lift me out. And visually on a podcast, that would be amazing. Colin from last week would be the ideal person to, to do that lift. Let's <laughs> Colin from last week. I love it. Um, so I sit down in the chair, and the guy just attacks me with the the clippers, and then I just went stop, <laughs> fuck, oh no, stop. And I just had this massive track of hair missing, and that's when I remembered I have I'm. I'm on Hollyoaks again, and I need to look exactly the same as I did. <laughs> and now I've ju- I'm just missing a whole heap of wow. hair. And I sat there going, what do I do? Do I leave it at that? Like, maybe they can cover that up. Just film you from the other side. Why is Rock and Bob always looking to the right? Exactly. Rest? But then I had, I had shows on Saturday night, Sunday night. Uh, and I was like, I can't go on. Like, and I was just like, fuck. All right, do it. And then I showed up to filming on the Tuesday. But I told my agent, and my agent was like, you are what we describe in the business as an idiot. (laughs) And uh, I was coming up with all these elaborate reasons and stuff like that. And the the reason we gave them was that I was on stage uh, at Late in Life, um, and we decided to try and raise some money. And I was a bit drunk, and... uh, Someone said, oh, I bet, no, bet all you comedians are too scared to get your head shaved for charity. And I was like, I'll do it. So I created this massive narrative, <laughs> yeah. um, which is what we told them, and they weren't, they weren't happy with it. And I've never gone from, like, hero to zero so brutally. Yeah. So that first day that I was there, um, I think just because I knew my lines, um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, they were really happy with me. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and then when I showed up that next day, it was like persona non fucking grata. Uh, it was horrible. Wow. It was horrible. I've hey. never felt so unwelcome. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, it didn't screw up the storyline at all. I mean, you were dead in the first... I, I mean, was I, dead. I've come, exactly. I've come out of life. I've lost a bit of hair. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's how I'd have got around it. I've been in hospital. I was like, just can't we just wrap a bandage around my head? But you had a heart attack. Nothing to do with you. I knocked my head on the way down. <laughs> no one's going to care. And so it was a big thing in my life at that time. And so yeah. I was just waiting for the episodes to come out. I was like, people are going to really grill me on. No one gave a shit. Of course they didn't. Even the people watching it forgot that I was on the episode before. <laughs> I love the fact that you did it a week later and they'd only decided to put you in. So they must have written the whole next week's script that week. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh my god! It um, yeah, it was. Uh, I'd love to say it was good times. Yeah, uh, the first day was. Yeah, first day was real good times. I love it when um, uh, the best known of known for cuts a story like that. That's you never. That's what. That's why it's worth persisting with. That's why it's still happening. Do you is think it's still they going? Should... Holly it is still going. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. If I... I like Hollyoaks late. Hollyoaks late is it a was bit. Hollyoaks late. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah. It's a bit sexy, isn't it? Yeah, it's a yeah. bit. Ooh. Yeah. They should do that with all the shows. They were doing. It's, it was. My storyline was they were doing a drug deal with oh, me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Moroccan But bomb. then you died, but then came back then to life. Yeah, yeah. fell out. I, Don't take drugs, kids. <laughs> I improvised a line in it. Did you? Yeah. Because um, I had like a Hawaiian shirt on and I was sweaty. And, uh, and I, you know, I was trying to intimidate them. Um, and uh, I had, a, in the script, it was something like, um, I opened the bag and show me the money. And I'm watching you. Um, and that was basically the line, right? 
But I said, I'm watching you. But And then I turned to a good-looking one and I went, look at you. You've made my nipples go hard. <laughs> and I just started roughing my nipple and I went, I'm watching you, but my nipples are watching you. And they fucking loved it, wow. right? <laughs> loved it. <laughs> just rubbing my nipples on Hollywood Lake. Hollywood, Hollyoaks Lake. Yeah, you wouldn't get, ri- around, you wouldn't get that on Hollyoaks, but Hollyoaks yeah. later. Yeah, it's sexy, later. man. It's sexy. Uh, that was Jared Christmas. And uh, then I had a bit of time off. Uh, and uh, the Friday, next Friday after that, I think, I flew over to Belfast. Belfast, when the country's got its ringing bell, will last, as the as Boney M once sang, something, something like that. Um, you know, I, I have to say, I'm getting to meet some heroes. I'm getting to meet some super talented people. I'm getting to realise why I am the mediocrity that I am, because this business I'm in is full of the most talented people you could ever hope to meet. Uh, this guest is one of those people absolutely superb writer lovely person as well uh, she wrote dairy girls she's written much more it's lisa mcgee have you ever seen a ghost lisa mcgee i've heard a ghost you've heard one what was yeah. it doing um it told me to become a nun it is that's not that's the holy ghost that's the big that's the best ghost there is yeah yeah well, what was the circumstances and why aren't you a nun if a ghost has told you to be one? Yeah, okay, so I, woke, I was staying in my friend's apartment in Belfast and um, I was quite tired. I don't, know, I don't know if I was hungover, but I'm going to say I wasn't hungover, yeah. or, right? But I heard this, I was, I, I, heard, I was sleeping and I heard this. <laughs> I was sleeping. So many of these stories. No, but like... I, I was, was asleep no, and I then I of, saw... But there was, there was a nun, I was very aware there was a, the presence of a nun in a room and she okay. said to me, Lisa, you need to be a nun. Like, this is just what your, your life... Yeah. At that time, I was working as a stage manager and I wasn't very good at it. So it was like, <laughs> maybe this is an option. But then I, I went around that day telling all my friends, I have to be a fucking nun now. Like, this is <laughs> desperate. And, and then I, and also remember saying to the nun, spirit, but I want to be a writer. And she was like, you can still write loads of nuns, right? And I was like, okay. But by... by the... Yeah, they write, but no one fucking reads anything they put. Oh. No, I I, yeah, well, I've just bought a book by a nun. Oh, yeah, okay, sorry. Sorry. I beg anyway, your um, they, they... So then I told everyone, they were like, Lisa, you're not, you're not going to be a nun. Like, grow up. So, so <laughs> I, so, I sort of got myself out of it. Some by wow. kind of... But then... Did the ghost come back? No, See, the, I told no, you to be no, a nun. The apartment used to be a convent. Wow. The Bolden. Yeah, if that, if that story hadn't happened in Ireland, that would be amazing. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a really good twist. <laughs> That's but like if a ghost tells you to be a nun and then you're not a nun. What's Also, yeah, think... what's the ghost telling you to be a nun for? She's a nun and she's dead. Yeah. It sounds like it's a trap to me. It's like, I, had, <laughs> I was a nun. It killed me. And now I'm going to get you into the nun business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, if I was a nun, I would creep around people's houses, the houses of young women. If I was a nun, uh, and, yeah. um, and whisper, "You've got to become a nun," because uh, as a ghost, yeah. and pretend to be a ghost like Scooby Doo. Yeah. Because that's how you get new nuns, isn't it? It's different yeah. nuns. They can't you, reproduce. That's dead, the whole no, point, can't they? They can't. So they have to. You have to get nun. new people in. Huh? If you're a dead nun, you don't give a shit about... She wasn't dead, she was alive. She was an alive nun pretending to be a dead nun to get new nuns in. That's 
seems more far-fetched than a bit of an actual ghost. You don't know what nuns are capable of. They've got a lot of time to themselves. Any nuns in? <laughs> you admit, come on, you know, there's something suspicious, isn't it? So it's, it's, when you're that good, it's a bit suspicious. That's what I would say. Um, I once caught a falling nun. You once what? I, caught, I once caught a falling nun. <laughs> a nun was falling down the stairs. It was in Habitat in Hammersmith when they, when they had that... <laughs> She fell down the stairs and I just got underneath her. Just she, I, I didn't fully That's catch amazing. her. But I dove down yeah. and so she la- her head landed on my... If my it hand. is, when we die, if it is the Catholics that are up yeah. there, that's massive brownie point. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm hoping. To, I don't know if it balances everything else that okay. I've done. <laughs> but let's hope so. She wasn't, she wasn't very grateful. Um... <laughs> Could have got me a gift voucher for Habitat in return. (laughs) (laughs) That was Lisa McGee. And uh, I was getting a bit tired in this one. I haven't been... I've been quite fit in this autumn, uh, but travelling to Belfast, doing late gigs. Shane Todd was the guest in this one and he was... He noticed I was being a bit crap and he really pulled pulled it out of the bag for me and enlivened the whole podcast. So thank you to Shane for overcoming my obvious deficiencies by being brilliant in this interview and here's a little bit of it uh last week we had uh, i don't know if you uh, will have been told we had lisa mcgee on from um you did dairy girls yeah yeah nice. she was good she um she was saying how she auditioned a lot of comedians for dairy girls and like if someone came and did it even if they weren't right for the particular part yeah the, if they were good mm-hmm. she'd write like a different character for them yeah. get, get them in just thought I'd mention it. Did, yeah. did you get? Did you have anything to do with Dairy Girls? <laughs> so, oh, I um, it was before the. It was for the first season, so no one knew like how big it was going to be, and I got asked to audition for it. And I'd never auditioned for anything really before. You know, it was more like people would invite you in to have a chat or that kind of. But it, this was a first audition from the like casting directors and that kind of thing. So I go in and. I am not an actor. Although, what you'll see if you watch Battle of the Bone, right? Um, (laughs) I think Lisa had seen Battle of the Bone. Yeah. And went, that's the guy. That's the guy we need. So I go in and I don't know anything about acting and auditions. And it says, they send me a script and I've never had to learn lines before. So And even with my stand-up, I don't like to be word perfect at all. I like to just kind of feel it out a bit and change it if I want. Sure. Um, And it said, by the way, this is off book. You'd be off book for this. So in my head, I'm like, well, that's brilliant. I can read off the book. <laughs> so I went in and was like, you know, at the start, you do that like, hey, Shane Todd, and you lie about your height, you know, you give your height and all that kind of thing. And you say, you say who your agent is. And then they're like, yep, go ahead. And I'm like, happy days. And I just started like reading it with my head down. And they go, okay, now, now okay, you want to put the script aside and give it to us? I was like, well, no, I'm... You said I'm, I can be off the book. <laughs> and they went, that means you're off book, you know? Yeah. And I went, that makes sense. <laughs> so to be fair to them, they're yeah. like the loveliest casting directors in the world and I've done unsuccessful auditions with them since. They said, <laughs> they said, do you, they knew I was nervous and I'd never done one before. They went, go to the Starbucks across the road and look at it for an hour and we'll get you back in. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll work out some space for you and we'll get you back in. 
And it's like, I imagine if you have like erectile dysfunction problems, someone going, no, just get it hard. <laughs> it's all well in saying that, but I couldn't do it. Go to McDonald's for an hour. Yeah. And get it hard. <laughs> so I just came back and was like, I tried it, but I just couldn't learn it in that time. And um, I didn't, uh, I didn't get the role. They said, this isn't the job for you. Nah. If you can't learn things in an hour. But... For series three, yeah. they let me audition again <laughs> yeah. and did not get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I so, think if I had of that se- series, would have been very successful. I think it could have been, I could, could have done well. That show would have done really well. <laughs> <laughs> what could have been, Lisa's probably thinking. <laughs> so, look, we're nearly at the end of 2023. I did lots more podcasts in 2023, but they won't have be, be out till 2024. The final one of Rahulaspa that I recorded in 2023 uh, was a remote one. It was with someone who's been... I've been trying to get on the podcast for a little while. I'm glad we waited. It went out on Christmas Day, so you may have heard it already. Um, And this is a comedian I think you almost certainly won't have heard of, but it's someone doing amazing work in the Ukraine, both to keep people laughing, but also to raise money. Uh, I've sent him some money for doing this interview and you know i think there's a chance he might spend it on doing stuff uh, for the army uh, and so you know there's a chance that uh Rahalastapa will kill someone in 2024 <laughs> so you know it's about time i know a lot of people have died laughing at it but uh Hopefully it will be a peaceful he can do what he wants with the money as can anyone you know I, i've i've got no you know I don't know. Sarah Millican might be buying poison with her, what we're paying her. So who knows? Anyway, this is a great guy. Really an absolute honour to meet him. It's Vassal Baiduk. It's sort of hard, I guess, for um, someone who is who's lucky enough never to have been in a war zone to sort of imagine that life and comedy continues amongst the, the stuff we're seeing is the, is the bombings and, you know, abandoned tanks and destroyed buildings uh and it's sort of amazing to think that comedy's going on but of course you know this is where you need comedy more than ever i guess at a time at a time like this and, and, and our audiences are, are they they're, they're, they're coming out to theaters and, and, and as you know like you say the opening to your special in the uk there would be please turn off your mobile phones <laughs> in in your special it's if the uh, uh if the alarm goes off during the show go to the air raid shelters and then come back and the show will continue so it's a very it's a very different situation and obviously people must be scared to be out a little bit uh but but they still do come out for comedy right yeah, yeah, this, and comedy was the first what what uh, was on stage uh, after the big Russian invasion had started. Uh, it it was for not not songs, not some kind of uh, I don't know this some com- magic things. No, comedy was the first who was on the stage because what we need we need just mic and and audience and uh, ears to to listen and and jokes and that's why comedy was the first after the big Russian. I think two months, two months, and comedy. Uh, was on the stage um, and and it was very interesting and and different kind of jokes because in the be- beginning of uh, Russian invasion it was jokes about our enemies that they are stupid that they are don't be scared they are, they oh they are big ass on legs and 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 that's enough they they have no guns everything will be okay and it was some kind of jokes to to make people. Uh, 
it's hope jokes i don't know so so don't be scared everything be fine yeah. but now after one year these jokes go away because uh, because our enemy uh, is very strong and, uh, and and very powerful and uh, a lot of guns a lot of uh, people uh, so in this case now comedy on that place where we telling realities that our enemy is strong so we must to 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 do some to, to do everything what we can do uh to to stop it so it's very interesting and and, and you know in the beginning of russian invasion your special uh, mustache of hitler it's one of the best thing uh, what must be in this time because uh because it 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 shows that you must not be scared about the enemy uh, you 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 must to laugh For, not laugh uh, to, yeah. uh, laughing for this it's some kind of dictator putin and uh, sure. we must not scare because he won't uh, that we scare him yeah uh, you understand sorry about the english no no i do you do listen you don't have to apologize you're, you're very clear and it's very fantastic and yeah you know i think i have the... no time i have no time for for learning english story <laughs> I, i i try to survive yeah sorry <laughs> yeah you I, i'm very disappointed in you But spending time trying to help people in the Ukraine and not learn English better than this. It's sorry, sorry. I, and I have no no topic uh, war in the school. Yeah, I have yeah. topic about the ships, about the trees, <laughs> about some kind of different garden and trees, about the pear trees. But I had no topic war. So, sorry. Yes. So that's it. Look, thank you to everyone who has made Rahulstapa such a success over the last decade and a bit. It's mainly me. Obviously, it was my idea, but I couldn't have done it without all the amazing guests. I could certainly not have done it without Chris Evans, not that one, and Ben Walker, not that one. Uh, I could not have done these compilations without Ben Evans, not that one, because he did all the work. Um, I, it would be much harder to do these compilations and uh, the emergency question ones, uh, and even asking the questions uh, to guests the second time without the work of Kathleen McKeegan at rahalastapa.com so thank you very much to her thank you to George the Incompetent Sign Guy and uh, Craig and Kinger and all the people who do the fantastic camera work at the Leicester Square Theatre thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre especially Jess and Martin uh, thank you to everyone at Avalon for you know getting me a deal with ACAST that was useful uh, thank you to everyone at ACAST for continuing to uh, put our stuff out and to give us some money for doing it it's, that's quite nice uh, but mainly thank you to you for listening do spread the word about the podcast do keep listening go back and listen to as many of the old ones as you can uh, it's an increasingly competitive market and I would love if the show would carry on Uh, as long as possible. It's definitely going to go through most of 2024 because we've already recorded enough podcasts to get us most of the way through 2024. Um, but how long can we go on? That's the question. We'll be back next year with the best of 2024, I'm sure. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed these compilations and uh, we will see you very soon for more regular, non-repeat, non-clip show podcasts. Thank you, everyone. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Onwards and upwards, my foolish children. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. 
I'm Rachel Stewart, and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance, or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks very much, richardherring.com slash for those remaining Rahalastapa dates, Rahalastapa, and richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour to find out all the tour dates for my upcoming stand-up. Would love to see you at those ones. Please book tickets if you can. All right, enjoy another podcast. Don't listen to anyone else's podcast but mine. Stay faithful and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.